This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. I'm Asma Begum from Soul Sisters Empowering People, and together with a bunch of other brilliant Rochdale organisations, we've gathered stories of strength from women who come from all walks of life. Our stories will make you laugh, cry and reflect on your own experiences, but most of all, you'll feel empowered and strong. Before we get started, this episode contains references to domestic abuse. Hi, my name is Jenny Miller and I'm the Domestic Abuse Service Manager at Rochdale Connections Trust and I'm here today with TAP. So welcome TAP. Hiya. So what's your story about? What have you kind of, you know, gone through and come out of? Well, it started a relationship and at first it was great for the, you know, first few months, it, everything was fine. It was like the honeymoon period. So a lot of girls that I work with, they always talk about this honeymoon period and they always say it's great. Yeah. So what kind of effort was this person putting into this relationship to make you think, oh, this is good? Well, he told me at first, he told me lies. He said he owned his own house. He said, well, he had other children, so he told me he was involved. He was like a great dad. Um, he was good with my other children at first. And he did that, you know, like he made me feel a bit stronger because I'd come out of a, a bad relationship before. So I felt like it was like the first time I met somebody decent, really. But then after a few months, he just was like somebody different. He turned nasty. I think he was an alcoholic. He didn't show any signs of that first, but he would drink quite a lot. Yeah. And then he'd just turn nasty when he were drunk. And he'd pick at things as well. So when he was first dating you? Yeah. He'd have a drink and you'd have a drink. Yeah, we'd, it'd be enjoyable, like social drinking. And yeah. we'd go for a meal and then we'd go home and he'd carry on drinking then. And then it'd just get out of control where he'd just start getting angry. Okay. I can't blame it on the drink, but I think that brought it out okay. of him. He'd pick at stuff, he'd make things up. Like, for example, he'd say the kids were noisy, even though they weren't, you know, he'd try picking at things and the house being a mess. Even though I was doing it, he'd try and, like, make me feel bad, you know, all the time. Like, just everything I did weren't, were useless. I felt useless. Couldn't do anything right. What well, were kind of going through your head in the sense of, did you want to stay in the relationship? Well, I did, because I thought he would change. I thought he could be that person that he said he was at the beginning. I thought he could be that person. But, did you think you could change him? Yeah, I think I did. I wanted to. That's At the time, I really loved him, so it was... the. Like, that, I focused all my energy on trying to get him right. You was really invested in yeah. this relationship. Okay. And what about the children and all this kind of thing? You know, you was putting all your effort into this man to kind of get him back to how he portrayed himself at the beginning. Where did your children fit in all this? Well, this is the thing. I didn't realise it at the time, but I obviously wasn't putting their needs first. And even after the violence, I just carried on seeing him because I felt trapped, I felt scared so it did have an effect on the kids i don't think i realized that okay at that time you've just mentioned then violence when did that actually start it was about six months into the relationship so pre that it just been quite verbal yeah and then all of a sudden what was i was a slap or a Porsche? or well i was laying in bed and i got a text message off my ex which i have children with it was about the children and he put a kiss on the message 
and he woke me up, pulled me out of bed by my hair and, and punched me in the face. That was the first time. So did he read your message then? Yeah, he'd seen it on my phone. He used to go through my phone, but at the time I didn't think anything of it because it was just a message about the children, you know, picking them up. Did you have the allowance of going through his phone? Mm, I did used to, yeah. Once he started doing it to me, I did used to do it to him because I thought, well, if he's looking through my phone, he's obviously hiding something from me. So I did, in turn, do it to him. He attacked you, you know, that was violent. How was he after the violence? Oh, he'd tell me he was sorry. He loved me. He'd never do it again. All the, you know, the usual sob story. And then when he was younger, his mum passed away when he was young. So he'd use that as well as an excuse. He'd make me feel sorry. Okay. for him and he'd say that he had PTSD and all that. he'd never been diagnosed but he'd invent illnesses to make excuses for what he was doing did you ever threaten to finish the relationship quite often and I did I have um, a child with him my son and when I was pregnant with him that's when I wanted to leave and every I did do well on my own and then after I'd had my son I just went a bit soft again because obviously I'd had the baby and I wanted him to be involved with him. Okay. So let me just take you back because I want people who are listening to this to really understand how because people just say, oh if it was that bad they get out of the yeah. relationship. But actually there's a lot more going on in you, you know, in your feelings, in in, in safety, um, uh, fear, you know, yeah. financial, you know, that kind of thing. You said that it attached you and, and your children. You didn't actually realise that your children were being affected. Looking back now, what do you think you was doing and your children was kind of doing, you know, to keep this relationship normal or stable? Um, we just... I mean, we'd fight and stuff and they'd, they didn't actually see it, they'd hear it, but I think sometimes that's worse, isn't it? So yeah. I just used to... Like, after that, they were frightened of him, obviously, but we'd get back together. And obviously, they'd think the same as me. He'd change, you know. He'd be nice for a while. Yeah. He'd take us out. He'd, you know, things would be all right for a while. Mm-hmm. And then he'd always go back to being violent. Was there anybody around you and your children, I don't know, like uh, parents or, or siblings or friends, who were kind of going, Yeah. Yeah, this isn't really good. Yeah, they was. Everyone was telling me to leave, but in my head, they didn't hear what the, he was saying to me after the abuse. It was like, like I said, the sob story. Um, it made me feel like I wasn't worth anything, so I didn't feel like I deserved anybody else. Like, just thought there was him for me. Yeah. It made me feel like I had to rely on him. Even with the money, he took control of that as well. So quite hard then. Yeah. I mean, did you feel a little bit trapped? Yeah, definitely. Like, I couldn't escape. Even if I tried to, he'd always, like, he'd come and smash my windows, and if I didn't open the door, he would get in. Yeah. Anyway. Which so. is one of them, isn't it? You know, somebody smashing your windows or threatening to smash your windows. Your children are. In yeah, there. he just opened the door. So, did your children sort of like say anything to you, or did they say anything at school? No, it was when the, my eldest daughter, she wouldn't come home. She ended up staying with my mum. She never wanted to come home right. because of what was going on. And then in the end, it was like my mum was telling me all the time, you know, just to leave. And I kept, I, I did it twice, left. But then obviously, it's so hard to get out of because they don't see the other side of it where he's on the phone telling me how much he loves me and, you know, like, he's hurt and all this. And I loved him at the time. So obviously, yeah. I felt sorry for him. Your next steps, you'd had your baby, yeah. but you were separated at that yeah. time. 
Uh, so you'd left him when you was kind of near the end of the pregnancy? It was at the beginning because he'd pushed me down the stairs and I actually had to get a restraining order. So I didn't see him the whole time from the eight week, being eight weeks pregnant till after right. I'd had my son. And then he'd, he found out I had him. And he, he texted and stuff, wanted to see pictures at first. So obviously I sent pictures. And after a while he said, oh, can I come and see him? You know, just pop round. And then he, it just ended up going back to so how it was. So during the pregnancy, I did not bother you with like, texting? No, well, odd times, but I ignored it. And he didn't really bother me. And I was doing really well, like, I got my house in, you know, I decorated my house, I got everything ready for the new baby. And then it was only after, it just... I think I felt not as strong after I'd had my son. Okay. I felt quite scared and lonely. So, during that pregnancy bit, did your children, did your eldest daughter come back home? Mm, yeah, she did for a while. She was gradually getting back to coming home. Like, she'd stay at my mum's, but then she'd come to me. But when I got back in a relationship, she just stopped coming all together. She didn't want to live with me. So you allowed him to come and meet the baby and play daddy, yeah. uh, which is good, you know. But then did he kind of move in straight away? Yeah, it was like after a few weeks, he ended up just coming more and more. You know, yeah. it was like he'd just pop around and then go and then he'd stay another couple of hours. And then eventually it just got to the point he was just there all the time. How soon after he was there all the time did he become like it was the previous life. Well, I told him if he were drinking, he weren't coming to my house and seeing my, his son. So he lied a bit, you know, said that he wasn't. He, I, I seemed to believe him for a while. Yeah. And then after about three months, I'd smell it on him. And I told him to go then. And that's, again, we split up again. Um, and that's when he started all the smashing the windows, right. damaging my house, which I got billed for as well. What happened next? He did that, and I moved out of area to Rochdale, uh, where my mum lives. And I seemed to be doing all right again. And then he's, this woman rung me up about him and asked me, you know, said about him, the violence, and he'd hit her and everything. So I was talking to her, and then it turned out... Well, I was texting, and it turned out it wasn't her, it was him. It, it was him texting me. So I was talking, you know, to him and everything, and he was saying how sorry he was, you know, all this crap. So he asked to see my son again. So I didn't invite him to my home. I went out with my son to meet him. You didn't want him to know where yeah. you lived? Yeah. So uh, anyway, we ended up going out and drinking. I ended up drinking. And because of the restraining order we, we had, we had a fight in this pub when my son was there. So we, got, we ended up both getting arrested for it because I was drunk as well. Yeah. And then he got put into prison and right. that's when it ended there. Right. And I've not, I won't, I've not seen him. Is he out of prison? He is, yeah. This person kind of... I'm, I'm fascinated by that bit about him texting you, pretending to be somebody who's been harmed by him. Mm -hmm. Because with, with perpetrators, they kind of don't really admit to things or they'll admit to it with an excuse. Yeah. Okay. And what you're saying is this man definitely knew what he'd been doing yeah. and actually kind of played a victim. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, that's quite kind of telling on his, you know, where his, his head was at. Yeah. Um, quite manipulative. Um, and that must have felt confusing. It was, I thought, at first I thought, is it some kind of sick joke, you know, yeah. that he was playing? But I think, in a way, it was just him trying to get, because I weren't talking to him, I'd ignore him. I think it was his way of trying to get back in. So I'd 
open that door again to him. So he got arrested and he got arrested mm -hmm. and he got put into prison and you then thought, right, what do I do now? Well, I lost my children as well. Okay. Um, they went to live with my mum on a special guardianship. So that was really, that was the worst bit about it. It wasn't anything about the relationship. I think that what, that's what woke me up from it, actually. So you had children's social care? Yeah. And what did they actually ask you to do? They just told me, really, to stop, obviously stop seeing him, not have him in the house. And at first, I rung the police every time he ate me. But then after a while, when the social services got involved, I stopped doing that mm. because I thought if I did, they would definitely take the yeah. children off me. So I didn't report it after that. Yeah. I stopped yeah. reporting. In fact, I think it made him more powerful because he knew that if I let him in, they would take my children. But he wasn't bothered about that. He didn't care whether they went into care or not. Your mum kind of got the children yeah. and on an SGO, uh, special guardianship order, and did that kind of tame yours and your mum's relationship? It did at first, but she's, I mean, she was always supportive, but she put the kids there, then she stepped down. It was like, I, she was more for the kids yeah. than me. And then at first, when I lost them, I started to drink yeah. and I went into a depression. Yeah. But then after that, I started to see them quite regularly. And then I stopped drinking and my mum, we got our relationship back a bit there. Looking back now, do you know why your mum did what she did and yeah. why? I do understand now, but it's like I said at first, I didn't, I didn't even realise. I thought, nobody knew, you know, I thought we could just sweep it under the carpet and yeah. it'd be fine, but it's never, it never ended like that. No, no, it, unfortunately it doesn't, no. does it? So looking back, you know... Might be an obvious question, this, but if you could do anything different, what would it be? Well, I'd leave him the first time he was violent. I just, I'd have walked out and never gone back. But if you were to say to a woman in your position, leaving is not going to change, do you think she'd take any notice of you? It depends because if you're not right in your own head, it's what's going on, like you said, in your own head. If they're not strong in their head, then it's, it's impossible. So I think I'd advise someone just not to rush anything and get help, professionals. Did you get any other kind of support or help? No, no. not really. Well, I didn't really cooperate with the social services at first, but I think if I did, and, you know, if you had listened to people, I think I would have done it. But like you say, if you're not strong in mentally, it affects your views, doesn't it? And I went into a refuge as well, and I found that really supportive there was staff in there which i think were more helpful than the police and the social because these are women who'd been through it themselves yeah so they knew firsthand how it felt for me rather than just saying oh leave him you know or we're going to take your children it put backs you into another corner then yeah so where's tam's life now well i've got another son i've got him with me i'm never going to lose him and i'm never going to go into another relationship like that ever again but today I'm happy but I'm still recovering from that like I still have anxiety and obviously building relationships with getting my children back and stuff like that that's I'm still going through it but I've come out at the better side now. Would you kind of looking back and you're saying like you're moving forward but you still have anxiety do you get, have you got kind of anything to help you with that? You know, have you been to the doctor? Yeah, I take um, tablets okay. for anti-anxiety tablets. Um, yeah. yeah, and as well, I think I've got myself 
mentally stable now, like my own head, I feel like I'm worth more than, than that. I don't want to be with someone who puts me down and makes me feel horrible. I want somebody who empowers me and, you know, somebody supportive. You go, girl. <laughs> Just, well, I mean, I probably will never find that, but... You know what? We can't write a society of men off. No. Not all, all men or, you know, are, are bad. Um, unfortunately, you, 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 you came across one. Yeah. So, how would your friends and family describe you now? Mm, a different person, totally. Really? Yeah, I'm a better mum, a better person in myself. Um, and I take care of myself now, I try to. Yeah. Right, whereas before I wouldn't, I wouldn't even brush my hair some days, I just felt so low. Yeah. But no, I am stronger now. But like I said, I'm still coming through it slowly. We've got things to do, but I've come through the worst. Well, it was learning. I learned my lesson. It was after the children got put in with my mum, and that that nearly killed me. So I'm determined. I'm going to get them back, and I'm not ever going to let anything happen again. So, what is your relationship like with your kids? It's good, but like I said, I see them whenever I want. I seem like I've stayed over because it's half term. Mm-hmm. But it's still the fact that I miss them. I want them with me. I want to be doing the school and every day. I want to be busy. It's. Yeah. I feel like my mum's doing all that. At the moment. Where you're up to in your own kind of personal space. I've got your house back how you want me to get it back. Mm, I've got a flat, but I'm always going to get a bigger house right. moving forward. Yeah. Um, and then getting the children back permanently, hopefully. Good plan. <laughs> so, is there anybody who's ever kind of give you inspiration? Mm, I'd say my sister. Right. Because she's strong. I want to be like her. She's the strong one. She's the... Like she's worked, she's got she's got one son, but she's brilliant mum. She's got a husband, she's brilliant wife, she's works, she's just I don't know how she does it. And you've got a good relationship with her. Yeah. yeah. Even through everything she's always supportive. Yeah. If there was any words and advice, I know I've kinda of touched on this, but to, you know, if you was to say to somebody, these are my words of advice, what would they be? And just be strong and sort your own mental health out and then after that it just take everything falls into place when you when you think differently and act differently mm-hmm. you attract different people don't you it's, you, do. you get nicer people and but when you're low you, you're meeting all the low people just if you get your mental health on track and get the help mm-hmm. and the support then you can get through it well it sounds like you you're on a, a really good forward path yeah and um thank you very much for sharing your thank story you. it's been really enlightening for me and yeah onwards and upwards yeah thank definitely you. thanks <laughs> thanks for listening to the stories of strength episode if you have been affected by the issues raised you'll find some support information in the show notes you can access this wherever you're listening to this podcast now it's over to you How did this story of strength make you feel? Have you had a similar experience? We'd love to hear. You can get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Simply search We Act Together. Don't forget to use the hashtag Stories of Strength. Or for a less public response, you can email us info at actiontogether.org.uk. These stories are made for listening and to inspire. If there's someone you feel needs to hear it, please share it with them. We want people across the globe to be empowered by the women of Rochdale. 
You can also help amplify these stories by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast app, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A huge thank you to the women who shared their stories with us. We can't express how grateful we are that you have trusted us to tell your story. A massive thanks to the organisations who've opened their doors and allowed us to speak to the women they work with for this series. This includes Deeplish Community Centre, Darnell Library and Touchstones. Stories of Strength is commissioned by Action Together. It's made with partners from across Rochdale, including Cartwheel Arts, Soul Sisters Empowering People, UKEF, Rochdale Mind, Rochdale Women's Welfare Association, Rochdale Connection Trust and Rochdale Health Alliance. Thank you for taking the time to contribute. We really appreciate it. The partners received podcast training delivered by Mike Media and the series producer is Danielle Porter.